With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Behind the Racket Pod, the podcast taking you behind the racket with today's top tennis players and biggest issues facing the sport. Behind the Racket is a community to give fans and players in the world of tennis the opportunity to open up like they have never done before. Visit BehindTheRacket.com for the latest stories, merch, as well as direct links to all of the latest podcasts. It can also be found on iTunes, Google Play, Pandora, Stitcher, and wherever you find your podcasts. Download the episodes and make sure to leave a review. And we want you to be a part of the conversation. Find me at NoahRubin33 or Mike at MikeCTennis on all forms of social media. You can also learn more at BehindTheRacket.com or MikeCTennis.com. Special thanks to my sponsor, New Balance. Visit their latest shoes and styles at NewBalance.com and learn more about their program of giving back at hashtag NBGivesBack. You can also help support the podcast by visiting Patreon.com slash BehindTheRacketPod and receive rewards from our travels around the world. And now. So uh, last week we were going to have another episode, but then uh, things in my body exploded. And so I'm, I'm very sorry about that. Um, you look good, though. Yeah. Actually uh, better. It's a, it's a pretty crazy thing when you don't... Um, and you and I talked about this uh, off the podcast. Somehow, I was at a weight before the the surgery. Things happened. I didn't eat for about twenty four hours because I basically couldn't, and I gained seven pounds. And I like, I I just don't know how that that happened. I barely drank any water uh, just because of medication and all that. And I think God was just pounds. playing an ironic joke on you, and I found it funny. I, I mean, it, it is funny. Right. It, the whole situation has been funny. Uh, I can barely <laughs> sit down. My daughter mocks me. She's six and a half, and she mocks how slow I'm walking. It has been uh, a really interesting week and a half. I'm, I, I got to be honest. So I'm going to be in Orlando. You are not. I'm going right. to be in Orlando and Tallahassee over the next couple of weeks. Uh, I am super excited to be working again. I am not super excited of the A, mockery. That should occur at my expense of uh, the fact that I'm walking so slow. And B, um, let's let's be blunt about this here. It uh, it's hot and muggy down there uh, this time of the year. And I I got to be honest. After after recovering from surgery and and all that, that's that's the part I'm not looking forward to is walking slowly in like 120 percent humidity. I, I'm actually just thinking about you. You struggle sitting for eight hours, and now you're going yes. to be sitting for eight hours post-surgery. Right. That's right. my concern: is your body just crumbles under that yeah. pressure? Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be tricky. Uh, I'll I'll bring a donut with me. Right. Uh, so if we don't hear you speaking cushions. on the the live streaming, we'll yeah call for just help. Think, just realize I'm laying down somewhere, <laughs> uh, and it's fine. You're just <laughs> the bike is on the floor. You're I need. 
Physio. Uh, we are, yeah, we need a physio above court one, please. Which player? Above court uh, one. That's for Cation. Yes, we need it for the fat guy up top who's talking too much. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, uh, but thank you. Uh, there have been a lot of people who have reached out and sent texts and Twitter messages. I appreciate it. Thank you. It will be fine. It was not life-threatening. It was just extraordinarily painful. Uh, thank you as well, young fella, for uh, listening to me scream at about 11.30 in the p.m. Uh, <laughs> as I'm in the emergency room. Just a little bit of help, a little bit of nudging <laughs> along there. <laughs> it was one of those situations I had. I had. I knew you were still awake at that point. And then when it was 2 in the morning, I uh, was texting my friend in Australia right before I got wheeled into surgery. And I, I appreciate her as well. Um, but we're going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine someday. Uh, and I'm, I actually found myself today, Noah. Um, I found myself really wanting to go out and hit tennis balls. I know you don't have that feeling anymore, but like I like I just looked outside. It's 75 and a little windy today in Tulsa. And I was just like, man, I want to just go hit some tennis balls. But your body can't explode right, right now. No, exactly. I believe me uh, on the on the tournament side. Do I have that right now? Not necessarily. But yeah. on the actual just playing side, 150 percent, I would you know, I've been. Getting back out with the ankle, trying to push it to see uh, how it's feeling. Um, but just hitting tennis balls in, like, we've had 65-degree weather. It's, like, yeah. perfect. A little windy at times as well. But just getting out there and hitting tennis balls, it's so nice. Like, it's just, yeah. you forget. You forget, you know, that just the simple aspect of it. And and maybe once your body is, is able to, you and I can, we could just at least work on your back end a little bit. I after surgery and not playing for most most of the winter and then surgery it can't get worse there's going to be a oh, there's going to be a lot of no i'm just saying there's a lot of stuff that's going to need some help uh immediately thereafter but yeah i'm i'm excited about that um so yeah you are out of orlando and tallahassee which is obviously too bad yeah um was looking forward to 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 seeing you a little bit i i think i want to kind of hint at this you are going to reach out to him but i i want to get paulo lorenzi on the podcast next next week mm -hmm. that's that's like that's my hope so i don't have direct access like you do i know you yes. and paulo have that that connection but he knows who i am he <laughs> likes me yeah. uh you've seen that in australia a year ago you saw that he was just hey <laughs> it was it was <laughs> if, a really nice moment but uh if paulo doesn't like goal. you as a person or anybody i'm saying that is you just didn't make it then yes. then i don't like you that like i wish i could bring paulo around with me and Yes. If he doesn't like you, I don't like you. Like that, yes. you have to meet Paolo's standards before you cross the boundary because that is probably the most likable guy on tour. One hundred percent. I mean, unbelievable! Just an unbelievable and the complete opposite of us. He is just a all-around loves tennis, loves to travel, loves everything he's done, and just is so positive. God, I yeah, want to be a better person around him. <laughs> I know. I, I'm, I'm actually – the question I'm going to ask him is – and I'll, I'll just tell you this ahead oh, of time. Right and then now. then yeah. we'll start talking. What what does Noah Rubin need to do to find the love of tournament play again? Or what, how could that Stop happen? Stop using because me. You're using I, me. I've been using you for sex for years. <laughs> Anyways. Um. Um. <laughs> 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 There's nowhere to go from there. There uh, is. Yeah. And we're going to go directly to Miami um, yes. because the sex pot that is Yannick Sinner 
uh, came up just one round or one one match short of his first Master Series win. But I, actually, I think Hubi Hubi Hercac, um, yeah. another guy who's kind of like Paolo, like everybody seems to love him. He seems like one of those good guys. I don't think you don't seem as um, enthralled by by him in his tennis necessarily. Is that an accurate assessment? Um, I want to say that. And I guess everybody's giving Opelka credit right now. We're all going back to his uh, interview yeah. in Australia. I think I underestimated for the size he is because people don't know how you know tall and lanky. I underestimated yeah. his athleticism. Okay, and I think that's that's the truth. Um, watching him play, watched him play a little bit in Del Rey this year as well. It's subtle. It's very subtle, so you it don't is. understand. So you know what he does very well is he takes inches away from you. Takes inches, yeah. hits the ball very clean. So when he's taking inches, that like he does kind of that Federer where he knows where he's going to be relative to the baseline. And then mm. from there, he's just taking a little bit more time away, a little bit more time. And his shot-making shot ability is very impressive. But at the same time, for a guy that uh, – oh, I don't want to mess up his height. Do you have a height number by I any don't. chance? I don't, no. Okay. I mean, I want to say 6'2", six, 6'3", six, maybe it's even 6'4", little- maybe. I'll, I'll look while yeah. you finish your point. But um, extre- extremely athletic. You know, Will gets the balls, sliding on hardcore, you know, really covering a lot of ground. Um, that's been probably the most impressive. What are we looking at? 6'5". Six, 6'5". Five. Six, five. Yeah, again, you know, somebody at that height, you know, sliding around the court, you know, shot-making ability. I underestimated it. I really did. And, um, no, I, I think – He's just a really sweet person. He's just very yes. kind. Um, you know, from the behind the racket interview, you know, whether you thought it was the most entertaining interview I've done, you just can tell that this is a really just kind individual. He's, he's genuine. Yeah, he's genuine. So, you know, whether you think he's incredibly interesting or not, or great, it doesn't, he's just a good person. Yes. And, and I think he is we need a, a media few... darling. Yes. Like, the you know, ATP media people, I know they absolutely adore him. And I get it. And I totally get it. I, I think, you know, I think he's going to grow into his personality a little bit more through being in the spotlight, winning these tournaments. Um, and I'm, I'm curious to see, uh, you know, how he comes into his own a little bit. It's a really interesting, um, you know, kind of big picture question about entertaining versus rock solid in terms of hmm. your, your, your stylistically, right? Like, you know, you obviously you've got Gail Monfils. Congratulations on the engagement, obviously. But you, you've got players like that, Nick Kyrgios, yes. uh, versus players like maybe Yannick Sinner and Hubie Hukac, who are maybe not going to wow you. They're not going to have that that sizzle, whatever it might be, but they are just so darn good at what they do, and they do it incredibly well. And it's just that interesting dynamic that allows fandoms for different types of styles. Yeah. No, I, again, I'm curious how this evolves. Obviously, uh, Hubie is a little bit older. Sinner being 19 years old, um, yeah. it has a lot of time to kind of, you know, the fact that he's, this is the first one since it's been like 10 years. No, it's been, yeah, over 10 years since a yeah. teenager was in the finals of a Masters. So, you know, looking at this right now, uh, Hubert has... A little bit of flair, I will say, he has that ability to hit the tweeners, hit the behind the sure, back, sure, and it's sure. and it is impressive. But I think we're finding this away from, you know, Dennis and Felix Auger-Aliassime, like guys like that that are flair like are going yes. to look athletic. You know, we're also going to come with the guys that 
you know, have that ability, but will have a very stable career. And that's not saying a stable 50 in the world. This is saying stable top 10, top 15. And their level of play will always be there. And I think, yes, yes we see Yannick Sinner hitting forehands at 120 miles per hour. But his game is he knows what he's going to do. And he's yes. going to do it over and over again. And you saw that in Binghamton when you were Lexington or Binghamton? Both. Both. Yeah, both. When He you know, lost you... in the quarters of, I think, quarters of Binghamton and one Lexington. Okay. And you saw that, and you called that earlier on, and you said, this this guy's good. You know, the ball-striking ability is there. But again, is he going to wow you with every shot? No, but you're going to be like, this is a very fucking good tennis player. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and uh, Sebastian Corda, I think, mm-hmm. is, it falls in that type of, of line as well. He's, what, 64, I think, in today's ranking, something like that. He moved up into the top 70 in the world. And that one, quickly, I will give credit to Eubanks. I never give credit to Eubanks because I just don't like him as a person. But he called Corda um, two years ago, almost, at this point, saying you have to watch this guy. And I think that was one going into another topic a little bit. And you can attest to this by, you know, through the Challenger tour and seeing players is he followed kind of a system that his team put in place for him saying, we're going to play futures, we're going to do this, and it doesn't matter if we win or lose, we're going to become the player we're supposed to be. Yeah, it's a really interesting thought because I posted that on Twitter um, and and then, you know, just realizing, Noah, that if we're being honest about it, though, he he comes at it from a point of luxury. Mm-hmm. Yes. You, you know, obviously, and, and I, I'm taking nothing away from no. Sebi because he works his ass off, right? But he had that ability because of the family. Mm-hmm. He did not have to worry necessarily about the finances that go behind all of that, right? Um, something that is different for for you, yes. you know, for just for an example. And it, you guys are obviously different players. Don't I'm not comparing the two <laughs> of you, but he's he, the fact that he had that financial comfortability to just take time and and grind futures for a year without having to worry about coaches. And if they took two years, they could right. continue to do that and make that progress. That's not necessarily the same for you, for Francis, yeah. uh, a couple of years ago. I mean, you guys had. There was just that maybe a little bit more, you have to get through this a little bit faster than it was for Sebi. And he worked so hard and has come into his game very well with that time. But he also did have some things that other people didn't have. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the, I think it takes kind of the tennis example to another level. Um, I've been into F1 for a while. I know people yeah. are watching it because of, uh, of Netflix. But when yeah, you're looking, yeah, when you're looking at the drivers, it almost stays within the families. You know, you, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, yep. Charles Leclerc. Okay, there's another Leclerc coming in, uh, Formula Three. So you look at that and you're like, these guys will make it. How many other guys are at that level that just don't have the opportunity that can't build a team around them? And again, this is absolutely nothing away from Corda because he has probably some of the best ball striking I've seen almost in, in the U.S. Could yeah. be in the best in the world right now, ball striking-wise. Yeah. Um, and I know a lot of people would agree with that. So not taking anything away, but how many players you know, could be great ball strikers and just, you know, had the pressure of, I need this, I have this year and that's it. Or I have two years right. and that's it. You know, where that two years is not the same two years that Sebi has because everything is pressurized. Everything is at this another scale of, okay, if I don't do well in this tournament, what happens the next tournament? And it's just a snowball from there. So it, it begs the question. And this is something that, you know, within 
our tour and, and my partner Scott talks about a lot is what does that tennis look like if you take away the pressure of having to feed your family? You know, what does that sure. tennis look like if you take away the pressure? And, and people will say there's a reason why some players are there and can handle that pressure, yes or no. But the, I love the pressures when it comes to competitive nature of how many Grand Slams or me beating you or being the better player. But when you're worried about feeding your family at 150, 250 in the world, you know, I, I think it begs the question of, you know, how many players are out there that could be the next Sebi quarter that just can't. Yeah, and this was actually what I what I posed on when I was talking about it on Twitter. Like, I, I thought back to, um, you know, somebody who we talked about or we talked with last summer, Philip mm -hmm. Simmons. Mm -hmm. There was there was a generation of mm -hmm. of players uh, that Philip was involved in. A lost generation. Scotty mm -hmm. O, uh, Scoville Jenkins. Um, Cox. I think it was a yes. Yeah. There were there was a good amount of players in that in that era, who. Part of it has to be obviously the the American. We need another American male star to be up there at the top, and just kind of push them to get through these steps right. and then in, instead of allowing them to grow at their own individual pace right and and that's i think that's ultimately what we what we are talking about here right each person has this own their own pace that they need to go through to optimize themselves in their own career mm -hmm. you know sebi's gonna get there because hey yeah he did ha have the ability and came from a, a, a wealthy family a very well-known family and incredible genes so i was there. gonna say some good genetics <laughs> some, some genes are there right he's also incredibly hard working that's mm -hmm. part of the, the what the family has instilled in him but his his path it seems like they were able to optimize his path so that he could optimize his success I don't know that that's always the case in the sport of tennis, that you, you just have all of that coming together to a lot. You know, you're somebody who, frankly, had you gotten, you know, not gotten injured over the last couple of years, I, you could have had a different path mm -hmm. that would have allowed you to optimize what you needed to be to get to where you are, right? And and that could be said for so many different players. And I, again, just my history of the game, seeing some of those players come through the challengers in 07, 08, 09, back in Champaign and seeing how they were just so tired and just felt so much pressure at the age of 19, 20, 21. Right. And it's just like, God, we, we, we didn't allow them to grow and maybe become the player that they could have been at 26, 27. Right. I mean, you talk about, and I think a little bit of a, a different perspective where I, I, not that this is going to happen by any means, but I, I laugh and I say, you know, if I took three years off, I'm still in the same shape. I'm working out. I'm playing. I took three years off, like 28 to 35. I could have a career that like, you know, a lot of players yeah. do. There's a lot of players that have come at that age and had their best tennis, whether it's, you know, Feliciano Lopez and, and Goffin and some of these guys, obviously they've been around the top of the game for a while, but made their true breakthroughs at those ages you know, thinking back to players that are 19, 20, I've been a part of that group, you know, and I was a fortunate one. I was one of the mm -hmm. 0.001% that even got to where I was. So you think about all the other players that had so much pressure, whether, whether it was even at the ITF level, collegiate level, that just said, hey, I have a, a finite amount of time to really push this forward. And there's this, you know, utter lack of, of stability that if one thing takes a wrong turn, if I have an injury, you know, what I thought during my injuries was where is my next dollar coming from yeah, so I right. can make sure. So everything 
when people say, oh, those are breaks, you can relax, get ready. I was, it's the most anxious time for me. It's what am I going to do to make sure I hit the ground running because I can't waste another day. And then in the few, first few months coming back, you know, uh, a four-month injury is a eight-month turnaround, you know, where I'm getting back to my tennis that I played prior to it. So, you know, I think you can attest to this and, and your experiences is, you know, does there need to be a culture change within the sport and, and what does that look like? Is that possible in our system right now? Right. That's, that's the great question. Yeah. Um, I, I, I had hopes at, at, at the beginning, you know, when we started thinking about, okay, sports going to come together, you know, <laughs> ATP, WTA United and all of that. And we don't even have never, an app. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I think it's going to be really interesting. I think, especially here in the U S just how, how we're going to you know, with with all of the changes with the USTA over the last couple of years, what what that strategy is going to look like over the next couple of years, how they're going to continue to implement what they want to do. I think they're working to get a little bit more. They just obviously are starting to work with the um, the, the ITA in terms of the collegiate development, which I think is a great a great start, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, I think more so on the men's side, you're you're seeing more college players who are having very fruitful. Um, professional careers it hasn't really done the same yet on the women's side they're obviously you know Jenny Brady being a great example um, where it can happen but I think that partnership will will pay off long term so I don't know man question for you though we've had this idea especially in the U.S. of we are looking for that Grand Slam champion that's what we're gunning for right now do we change the culture and, and from the bottom up try to say, hey, how do we get just more people into the sport? How do we make it a more inviting, accessible? Obviously, mm-hmm. this is something you know I'm personally working towards. But you know, does that change? Do we stop having this antiquated mentality of looking for the one or fighting for that one? And I don't know. It puts so much pressure on the, like the entire nation. <laughs> it, it's it's like you're in the headquarters of the USTA. <laughs> uh, I, I think that's that has been a constant battle um, for for the USTA over the last couple of years. How is is finding you know finding the next Serena? Is that how you get more you know development into the sport, or is it you know the the amount of people who have been playing tennis through this pandemic has been crazy, right? Yeah. And that's been awesome. Um, but so we're I not converting I, those numbers though. You know, right, that's, yeah. that's what it's looking at. And, you know, I, I, it just comes down to accessibility in the end, in all fronts from juniors to sure. pros. Um, you know, it's, it's a tough situation. I mean, I know, uh, Rothenberg put up that poll of, you know, just talking about, you know, as a tennis fan, are you as engaged as you once were, you know, due to the app situation of, of not having the same ATP WTA app? Are you at the same level? Less you, you, what? platforms are you using to follow tennis and you know i think 40 percent out of like three thousand votes said that they are following tennis less than before yeah which is not something you know we can look for and i know you know for somebody that is obviously we're both deeply involved like just not having the atp wta app one not following women's anywhere near as as much as i would because i barely use the atp new atp app now and then it doesn't have women's on it so i use resultino when i can and follow the people yeah. that i care about closely but you can't follow the i'm sorry the schedule of tennis right now it's so difficult i mean we laughed and obviously you know we're not as deeply a part of it right now because 
U.S. doesn't have as many tournaments and we're just coming back, but it's like, oh, and the Volvo Open's happening. Okay, you know, we're back mm-hmm. on clay and we're back here. So it just there's just things being thrown, and, and again, it just seems like we're, we're just kind of taking shots in the dark right now. I am, that being said, super excited to be back on the road in a week. So 100%. I'm excited just yeah. to hear you, like, yeah commentating these matches and like having challenger matches which you know it seems like a pretty decent level is going to be there these two weeks i think so too yeah um i i should also i want to make sure i talk a little bit about getting bianca andrescu back on the court as well yeah Uh, the obviously unfortunate role of the ankle she was already uh, ash barty was playing phenomenal facing a match point in her opener in miami Mm -hmm. last week and then rolling through that afterwards but it it made me conscious. I, 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 I women's tennis is in such a good place. It's so like the, <laughs> yeah, no, it's so like, funny. I was going to bring this up. I know we're almost at the end, um, but that's exact. I wanted to bring that up a hundred percent because I, I honestly think they're keeping tennis alive at a level that it shouldn't be at because of the personalities that the women's tennis mm-hmm. has brought along between. You know the Bardies, Osaka, Goffs of of the of and and Andrescu, and it's incredible. I just and I don't know. This is a tough thing to say. Obviously, we've kind of lacked the top three on the men's side right now with them not playing on a hiatus. Yeah, but I don't think we have those personalities right now on the men's side. It's it's a tough thing to say, but I really do think that the women's side is carrying the men's in terms of personality and um, you know, just the personas that that are i think on that's the, the right side. way to put it yeah yeah i think that's absolutely the right way to put it because yes you 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 feel like you have a sense of serena mm-hmm. you have that sense of of naomi you have a sense of ash barty you know what what she's like and and bianca her, her, her style and you know though obviously that's just kind of at the at the top if you will but yeah you, you outside of the the big three on the men's side you know who, who's probably the most well-known player on the men's side outside of those three i'd say Kyrgios. and he's not playing like this funny like Kyrgios right. is still being spoken about almost as much as like hubert who's won a masters and Kyrgios right. is still being spoken about without hitting a tennis ball it's and I, and this is nothing against obviously serena's career and, and I hope she doesn't. This is a this is a compliment. She had so the shoes that she had to you know that her predecessors had to fill were so large. But mm. I feel like we're not missing it quite as much as I thought we would because of the personalities and personas that we have coming up on the women's. While I am worried about the men's side, I am worried about who is going to take the shoes of the federer nadal djokovic murray like these are four guys that whether you hate or love them all had very unique personalities that brought to the game and transcended tennis like no other player in the history ever had probably maybe since john McEnroe time but those are scary shoes to fill and again the personalities reside with some of the older players and i think you know we're gonna give you know the younger players some time to come into their own but that's nerve-wracking. I think the woman, you know, the woman's side has done an incredible job so far with that. I, I completely agree. Um, yeah. I yeah. think that's a good point to to end it there. We did our first card break uh, last night. If um, I, I just realized uh, Connor Mogul, who's a, a big supporter of ours, uh, he, like, he texted me last minute to get in the break, and I forgot to put him in the break. So what do you think we should send him? A smiley face text. 
No, he sent he sent no. money to get. Uh, oh. I, I, I got to figure out. I I'm gonna go through and sort out some some things to send. Connor I'll Mobile, sign a so. picture of of me. You in bed after surgery. <laughs> I have a fantastic one. He'll love. I promise. Do you do you want me to send a picture of my scar? No, no. We have to pay him for that. Okay. And we can't afford uh, that. um so this this coming week um again i will be down in orlando our hope is to get paolo lorenzi on the show for next week if you have any questions that you would like to uh have answered by paolo lorenzi uh shoot me a a dm on instagram twitter whatever it might be i'd I'd love to hear some of your thoughts um so we will get to that thank you as well to all of our uh, patreon supporters we have started sending out those patreon autographed tennis balls when noah and i are again in the same place maybe tallahassee maybe if you come to train for a little Mm -hmm. bit we're going to record some of our video messages that we are due to send you guys and then hopefully when we get to um, a slam in the next couple of months we're going to get some of those keychains sent out and postcards as well so for noah mike signing off we'll talk to you next week the show might be over but the conversation isn't join us on social media at noah rubin 33 at mike c tennis and at behind the racket expect new episodes every monday or tuesday and don't forget to leave us a rating on itunes it really helps us expand and reach more listeners as we take you behind the racket